Okay. Uh, I will not lie to you by saying that I will try to preach a 35-minute message. Uh, I've said that numerous times, and I have 100% of the times failed at <laughs> preaching 35 minutes. So I'm just going to just go with the flow, and I'll try to uh, end at a reasonable time, uh, especially for our guests and visitors. It seems like uh, Justin's entire high school friends uh, came here to visit our church today. And so... Be sure to welcome them. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I guess the Lord knew. That's why, you know, we never pick out Justin from the audience to prophesy over him. But I guess the Lord knew and the Lord wanted them to hear maybe as well. But, uh, you know, Justin, keep those things that we prophesy. Get it off the recording. Listen to it. Be encouraged throughout your time in California as you go back. All right. Um, he'll be going back in a couple of weeks. Uh, let's look at Acts chapter 8. And today I'm going to share a little bit about our trip to Australia and the testimonies that we brought back with us. The plunder, like as we like to say here, that we brought back with us. But look at Acts chapter 8. I'm going to just speak from this passage, verse 14 to 16. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 16 again. Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, the state of the Samaritan church that's described here in the book of Acts is much like the state of many local churches today. People are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, but they are, they have only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the Holy Spirit in the Samaritan church at this time had not yet fallen on any of them. Um, they had not been baptized in the Spirit. They have not yet to receive the, the, the baptism of fire. And this is why apostolic leaders, they need to be sent. And they need to come to your ministry, come to your church, and lay hands on you. See, in verse 14, it says that out of Jerusalem, the apostles were sent. So last week, out of Seoul, Korea, out of New Philadelphia Church, we had a team of 12 people that were sent. And as we went down to Australia, we went down there to the FLM ministry and we laid hands upon them. And when we did, they got a different baptism. They didn't get a baptism of water. Well, they, most of them already gotten that. All right, They got a baptism of the Spirit and with fire. Now, some of them have already been baptized uh, with the Spirit because this is a full gospel church. It's a Sumbogum Gyoe. It's a Sydney Sumbogum Gyoe. It's the largest Sumbogum Gyoe there. It was directly planted by Yoida Full Gospel, the world's largest church in the world. And they, they have an EM there. They have a thriving ministries. It's a fairly large church, 2,000, maybe a little over that. Um, and many of them already been baptized with the Spirit, but they had yet to be baptized with fire. You know, fire is, a, is, is being, it's like being baptized with the Spirit, but it's a certain and specific element of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has different symbols. Uh, dove, wind, water, but the fire symbol is very, very special. And we here at New Philly, if you're visiting here for the first time today, the reason why we 
praise God and worship God with so much passion and so much freedom. You know, there is so much freedom in this house. It's amazing. If you, if you, if you want to get an idea of how much freedom we enjoy, just go visit different churches. And they may have degrees of freedom, but man, the freedom in this house is just amazing. You know, and, you know, every week, Gloria and Jin and Doug and, and Chris, all these worshipers in the front, when they are worshiping God with undignified, right? Because they don't really look dignified when they're doing that. They are undignified for Jesus. When they are worshiping God with their hearts out, right? That's an invitation for you to join in on that freedom. Because a lot of people in the back, you look and you're like, man, I wish I could do that. Man, I wish I could experience that freedom. And that's the thing. The good news is it's for you as well. It's not just for them. It's for the whole body of Christ. It's not for a specific chosen few in the body of Christ. It's for the whole body of Christ. And so when we went to FLM, you know, uh, on the first night, I just taught, started talking about African-American history and talking about how African-Americans, they love and value freedom. Out of all the people on the earth, African-Americans, they know how to value freedom. Why? Because they didn't have freedom at one point. And so they really don't take that for granted. And so if you look at a lot of African-American culture and music, there's a lot of freedom. You know, they sing with soul. You know, they just, man, they don't even know how to read music, but they can sing, just make you cry. You know, and there's a lot of freedom. And uh, I just kind of started preaching like God wants to establish freedom in this church. And they just started receiving it all. And I'm telling you, every night of the conference up until the Sunday service, there was a greater degree of freedom that they began to experience. And it's beautiful. Um, and uh, here in Acts chapter 8, uh, Philip, from my reading, Philip, I believe, is an evangelist. All right? Philip goes out, he preaches the gospel in Acts chapter 8. He moves in signs and wonders, casts out demons, heals the lame. This is what an evangelist does. You see Andres Pisoni, he's like an evangelist, right? He goes out and uh, moves in signs and wonders, heals the sick, gets massive people saved. And uh, he got a lot of these Samaritans to become Christians, which was kind of unheard of in, in Jewish culture at that time. And um, the Jewish Christians didn't think to go to Samaria. But, but Philip, when the, when the um, persecution broke out, they got scattered. So they had no choice. And they went out, and wherever they went, they preached the gospel. And Philip preached the gospel with signs and wonders. All these Samaritans became Christians, and they got baptized in water. But it wasn't until the apostles were sent to the Samaritans that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's the message for the church today. You know what I mean? You know, a lot of the church today... They invite guest speakers without really identifying the gifting that's on that guest speaker. And frankly, in Western American Christianity or Westernized Christianity, the highest value is often placed upon academics, knowledge, how much you know. And oftentimes it's a form of knowledge that's very heady, very academic. So the types of people that get invited and the most popular uh invitations go out the most popular guest speakers that are invited are oftentimes teachers don't get me wrong i love teachers we have teachers here in this church we have teachers that we may invite from time to time and when they come man they just lay it out and you just start taking a lot of notes because you're just learning so much right but the church needs to recognize that there is a place and a time in which you need to invite 
apostolic leaders to come. Because apostolic leaders can release something that an evangelist cannot, that a teacher cannot. And so the Samaritan churches, they receive Peter and John. Peter and John comes and lays hands. I don't know if they even preach the message or not. They just lay hands and the Samaritan believers got filled with the Holy Spirit, got baptized in the Spirit and began experiencing and probably speaking in tongues and all kinds of stuff, right? And uh, they received the Holy Spirit. There was a guy named Simon the Magician here. He is a guy that practices occultic magic. So he sees all kinds of occultic powers. I mean, he's seen the real deal. Like he's seen real power, supernatural power. But when he sees Peter and John lay hands on these Samaritan believers, he saw something that impressed him so much, he offered to buy it with money. Right? It says, uh, if you read on in this passage, he says, give me this power also so that anyone whom I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Oh, snap. And now Simon, by the way, he, he did get baptized. He's a believer now. But he hasn't really been there's things a lot of things that are still out of order in his heart he hasn't gotten a healing deliverance teaching he doesn't know that the occultic is uh, something he needs to turn away from you know he thinks you know jesus is just you know one of different powers that maybe he can possess so that he can continue he had a lot of influence in the city because he's moving in all these black black magic arts and stuff right and uh, but he was so impressed you got to think simon the magician saw something and i'm telling you right now people might be like um There's no examples in the Bible of people being slain in the spirit. So I don't understand why it happens. And so I go, all right. Somebody came up to me and said that during the conference when I was in Australia. They're like, yeah, I don't understand why all these people are falling. Because there's no example of being slain in the spirit in the Bible. So I have a problem with that. Right. And, uh, you know, and and I have different ways to explain that. You know, one way is you can't see electricity, but if you touch a live wire, you're going to shake and you will probably fall down as well. If electricity, an invisible power has that effect on your physical body, how much more the power of God when it hits your physical body? And by the way, the Holy Spirit doesn't just touch your spirit. He touches your body. And the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your physical body, that's why it causes you to sexual purity. Because your body belongs to God. You're not your own. Right? And so Simon the Magician saw something so dramatic. And I'm telling you right now, he must have seen people like grown men crying, grown men shaking, grown men falling down under the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was so impressed by this, he tried to buy it with money. But you know what? That experience of the Holy Spirit is being restored into the church right now. And and let me mark my words. It's being restored into the Korean. I can't say American. Korean Aussie, Korean diaspora churches. Korean Canadian, Korean American, Korean Aussie, Korean German, Korean Indonesian, whatever, right? These 1.5 second generation churches. They grew up just purely, most of them, with teaching. And maybe a little bit of an experience with the Holy Spirit at a retreat that nobody talks about. But right now, the Holy, the Lord is restoring Christianity. He's restoring the experience of the Holy Spirit back into Christianity. That's, that's what we need today. That's what the Samaritan churches needed then. And that's what our churches need today.
And so when we went down to Australia, that's how the Lord really used us. He sent us down there with an apostolic team that was functioning in an apostolic race to lay hands and to just to release impartations, to release the fire of God. And it was powerful. It was powerful. So let me share a little bit about Australia. You, got, you, you all want to hear about Australia? Yeah. By the way, uh, you don't have to be an apostolic leader or an apostle in order to release the baptism of the Spirit. I think every believer can do it. But on a church-wide magnitude, it's got to be an apostolic leader. Like an apostle or an apostolic leader has to do it. I'm telling you right now, that's just the way God's kind of gifted people and designated things. Uh, so that's, that's what I would, I, would, I would stand by that just based upon my ministry experience. I could be wrong. I haven't seen everything yet. But I would say on a church-wide level, like we go down to FLM and we want to release it to the majority of the house, it's got, there's got to be an apostolic leader in that team or apostolic leaders. In our case, we had, we had apostolic leaders on our team. Hallelujah. All right. Let me, let me share a little bit of Australia. So there were, uh, we had a three night conference at FLM, which is called Full Life Ministry, the EM of Sydney Full Gospel Church. Uh, first night, there was 116 people. Friday night, there was 160 people. Saturday, there was 141 people. And then I got to minister also on their Sunday service. And during the four day ministry, we saw 17, 80 to 100 percent full healings take place. And so people came up and testified. There was this one uh, Egyptian uh, Aussie brother. He came up and he had um, a condition in his wrist that caused him a lot of pain. And he had it for a while. And uh, we uh, called out like wrist pain or something. So he stood up on the first night and we just prayed. And we told the FLM people to lay hands on each other and pray. Uh, Our team didn't. We just gave words of knowledge. And we just waited in the front. And we told everybody to lay hands on each other and pray. And when we prayed... He got instantly healed. He felt heat on his wrist and then he got healed. He came up and he testified. So there was like all these healings happening. 17 full healings, 22 partial healings, like 50%. And so we saw a lot of healings. And that's the that's only healings in the services. There were more healings downstairs after the service, during Danny's seminar, and on the side. Because you know why? The kingdom of God can't be contained into a service. Amen? That's the, that's the natural way it should look. Ministry shouldn't just be for altar time. Ministry should just take place wherever God's people put a demand on their anointing. And so uh, it was cool. I was watching some of the videos. And uh, Sister Diana Suck, our community care pastor at Itaewon, uh, she prayed for a girl who, ha- who on the video camera, it was clear. Her left leg was clearly shorter than the other. Right? And as she prayed, right, the left leg grows out. Right? And so it's on video. And then they asked the girl, because, you know, the girl's not like, you know, she's not like, she, has, she, doesn't, she hasn't seen this stuff before. They asked her, how do you feel? And she said, I felt like there was a pull on my left leg. I felt like there's something that happened on my left leg. And so they asked her to check because she has all these back issues. And when she got up and checked, she felt a lot better. But she said, I'm not 100% better. It still feels a little bit, it's a lot better, but it's a little bit still like uneven. So Dan, uh, Diana prayed again and her leg grew out. Once again, she felt it like pop. Next thing you know, she stands up and she's checking and she's all amazed. Right? Because sometimes when you have back issues, it's because one leg is shorter than the other. And what a lot of people do in healing ministry is they actually grab both your legs, compare it, 
and see where your ankle bones match up. And if one is shorter than the other, they'll command the leg to grow out and, and they will actually see the leg grow out. All right. And so a lot of leaders in our house, we've already seen that. And it was kind of cool to capture that on video. So Diana Suck, uh, you know, Pastor Diana, she just saw that. Um, that same night, there was this big dude, like six foot one or something. This big, big football player looking dude. And uh, he's like in high school, I think, or he just graduated high school, young man. And he comes up to me and he's like, Pastor Christian, I'm so sorry. I'm like, so sorry about what? He's like, uh, during your seminar in the afternoon, I walked out on your seminar. And I was like, you did? Well, why'd you do that? You should be sorry. Right? And he was like, no, no, no. My parents, uh, they called me into work suddenly. So I had to go and I felt really bad about leaving your seminar because I was learning so much. And I was like, yeah, man, don't worry about it, bro. Come on, man. It's all gravy. It's all good, you know? And then he goes, uh, can you pray for me? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll pray for you about what? He's like, I've had this like excruciating back pain. And for the last two nights of the, of the conference, I missed prayer for healing. And so I would like for you to pray for me. So I was like, all right, yeah, bro. Let me pray for your back, right? He had this, he had this excruciating pain in his back. So I pray for him. And I ask him uh, after, you know, praying for a little bit, I just asked him, hey, how do you feel? And he, he goes, ah, nothing. I was like, you sure? Nothing's better? He's like, yeah, nothing. Right? And so Danny comes over, and uh, our brother Danny checks his legs, right, and to see if they're even. So I was like, all right, we'll pray for his leg to grow out if it's uneven. But he checks his leg, and Danny's like, no, they're even. And the <laughs> so he puts his leg down. So I'm like, all right. So I felt just prompted once again. So I said, hey, Danny, why don't you join me this time? Uh, let's pray for Big G. His name is Big G. So we pray for him together a second time. Right? And so we pray for him the second time. And then we ask him to get up and check. He gets up and he goes like this. He goes like this and he goes, it's all better. And we're like, are you, are you sure? And then he goes, this stuff works. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what do you mean it works? You know, what, 80%, 50%? He says, it's 100%. All the pain is gone. Right? And so there were a lot of like these types of uh, healings that would take place even outside of our services. And, you know, that was a delight to our hearts, you know, just to be able to see the kingdom of God uh, coming. There was uh, one girl who testified during the first night. Uh, she, had, uh, she had left work early that night because she was in so much pain. And she went to a chiropractor that night. She comes to the service, stands up for back, back pain. She gets prayer from her fellow brothers and sisters at the church. And then she comes up and testifies. She went to a chiropractor that day because she was in so much pain. And after the prayer time, she was completely healed. We're, we're like, is there any pain? And she checked in front of us and she was completely healed. So, you know, praise the Lord for all these healings. Let's praise the Lord together. We had our um, sister, precious sister, Sasha. And our precious sister Marie and our uh, good-looking brother DJ, uh, they're from New Life, uh, which is a church that we ministered at two years ago at a retreat. And those three joined us as our honorary team members. And I wanted them to uh, have altar ministry experience and just to be able to help us. So they came out and they helped. And they also ended each night with a debriefing with us. And uh, it was a delight to have them on our team. And uh, let me tell you before I go on, man... Australia has amazing Lebanese food. All right, I I was there was a restaurant, Lebanese restaurant, right across the street from FLM called El Asil, and man, 
I've never had Lebanese food. Lebanese food is like, like chicken kebab and hummus and tabbouleh and all these things. And pita. And it was so good. So I just want to just let you know that. I was, I was so blessed. I was so blessed. You know, but getting to Australia was quite the drama. Um, if you guys didn't watch the news, last week, uh, no, two weeks ago when I was leaving for Australia, uh, we had different people flying in at different times. And uh, Danny and Mijong were leaving on the same day. Paul and Jamie were leaving on a different flight. I was leaving uh, on a different flight later that night. And what happened was all of a sudden it starts hitting the news that all flights to Sydney are canceled. Because volcanic ash from the other side of the world in South America and Chile, it went all the way around and started threatening the skies of Sydney. And, you know, volcanic ash, if planes fly through volcanic ash, it'll jack up the plane and it'll crash and stuff. And so they canceled all the flights. And so I get a phone call like four hours before my flight from our sister, uh, my, one of my spiritual daughters in Seattle. Her name is Emily. And she goes, Pops, I can't get to Australia because I'm stuck here in Vancouver for my layover. And all the flights out of Vancouver to Sydney are canceled. And so I start checking the um, flight statuses for Cathay Pacific, which is what Jamie and Paul had. China Southern, which is what Mijong and Danny had. And for Asiana. And I call in and I'm checking the status. And none of the Asia airlines had canceled any of their flights to Sydney. So I was like, man, these Asian airlines, they need to learn English. (laughs) Don't they know how to watch the news, right? And I think what I found out later was, right, uh, Australia and American Airlines, you know, they were just really just like shaken up by the the news. But Asian Airlines, they didn't care. We were like, they were like just going to fly you in and, you know, know, if there's volcanic ash, they try to dodge it or something. (laughs) I'm telling you, none of them got canceled. So anyway, the only thing they did for my flight was they delayed it for three hours and then they delayed uh, Danny's flight. And so anyway, Emily's stuck in Vancouver and she's having to like, uh, she left on a Monday in Seattle and didn't get to Australia until Thursday morning. So she went through all this drama, but you know, God gave her favor because she got to stay at a five-star hotel where everyone else got a holiday inn pass. She somehow got a five-star hotel that was right above the airport and and um, she had a testimony in that as well. But man, it was, it was crazy because at one point we were going to miss the conference because they said 48 hours until this ban is lifted. And so, you know, it was like we we're supposed to arrive Wednesday morning and they were threatened to push that back to pretty much Thursday or Friday morning. Right. And the th- conference started Thursday night. And so what I do on Wednesday, I started like getting on to my Facebook, my Twitter, and I just started like emailing everybody. I was just asking people to pray for 2 p.m. until 8 p.m. I just told everybody to pray, 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 pray. And I prayed, and I prayed specifically, and I told people to pray specifically. Pray that God will bring a gust of wind that would divert the volcanic ash and also for it to rain so they can get it out of the air, right? We pray that. And, uh, Later that night, lo and behold, at 8 p.m., around 8 p.m., there was a news story on one of the Australia news uh, lines. And it said Qantas, or one of the airlines, one of the Australian airlines, they resumed their flights. 
And so the volcanic ash diverted earlier than normal, earlier than expected, and flights are resumed. So I was like, praise the Lord. Within six hours, God had answered our prayer. All right, so I get on my flight, and uh, I head down there. Once we arrive, they tell us that uh, the day before, there was unusual wind in the city of Sydney. There is a, so much wind, and then it also said it also rained in the middle of the day. Our God answers prayer, amen? I mean... Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no volcanic ash thick enough. Keep me from doing the work of the Lord. So, um, that was good. And, uh, but one, once I got there, man, let me tell you, I was, I was personally getting attacked. Um, I had horrible acid reflux leading up to the trip. And so my voice was gone. If you guys know about acid reflux, you wake up with a sore throat and it's not because you caught a cold. It's because acid juices in your stomach keep going up your esophagus and, and touching your throat. So it jacks up your throat. And so, um, you know, I, I, I had a really weak throat and my voice kept cracking. You know, when my voice cracks, it usually means I have acid reflux. And so I'm going through like, and then I had a horrible headache. Like on the back of my head here, there's so much pain. And so I'm just battling and praying, and I knew these were attacks of the enemy. And, um, you know, I asked some teammates to pray for me once I got there. But, you know, I had my own personal struggle, you know. And um, But uh, we knew that no resistance was going to stop what God was about to do in Australia. First night, I preached on God as our Father in heaven. And, uh, you know, we did a couple altar calls and prayed for some of the people. And it, w- it was a good kind of a, you know, gentle way in which we ministered the first night. And then the next night on Friday, I preached on uh, your, where is your identity? Like, um, I taught first on the Father, God being our Father. And then second, uh, now that you know who He is, now do you know who you are in Christ? And so I talked about how identity gives us access. And, but a lot of times we identify with the wrong things in the world. We identify with our jobs. We identify with wrong relationships. You know, we put our identity in everything else but Christ. And so, you know, I kind of talked about that. And then uh, at the altar call, and by this time, we were being rushed out of our, uh, the main sanctuary because uh, the mother church had some kind of like special prayer meeting late at night. And so like Pastor Ray, um, actually their church is also in a transition where the head pastor of like 30 plus years, he's retiring this year. And uh, there's a young man, named, a young pastor named Pastor Ray that's taking over. Pastor Ray tells me, you only have like, you know, because the, the, the night before, let me confess, I preached for an hour and a half. But nobody said it felt like an hour and a half. So praise the Lord. All right. They, everyone enjoyed it. And uh, the next night, I was committed, committed to stay within 40 minutes. And then when we got home later that night and did the debriefing, Paul's like, uh, yeah, you preached for like hour and 15 minutes. What, what was it, hour and a half again? Hour 15, something like that. Yeah. And so anyway, like I went way over time. And so I got into express mode, right? Like altar ministry, you usually want to take your time. But when you're getting kicked out of the sanctuary, I mean, you, and you feel like there's a strong anointing on something particular, you know, we went into express mode. And so um, I had Anita and Myungha and Emily come up, and then they picked people out of the crowd like we did earlier today. Pick people out of the crowd. And uh, I picked a young man, this youth group kid that was sitting in the front. And the whole time I was preaching, he was doing something else, smacking his gum on his iPhone, whatever he was doing. He wasn't into it. 
Well, from what I could tell, he wasn't into it. And the Lord said, you choose him and you come out and you prophesy over him. So I went first. I preached. I mean, I prophesied over him. And I just like, just like established him in something that he didn't think he was. You know, and I just, I just like, I just like, prophesied over him. And he just started to like, like quiver and his face started to like shake. And he just started getting touched by the Holy Spirit. And as I'm finishing my prophecy, he gets, he goes down and gets slain in the spirit. And then Emily goes. Emily picks out this random girl out of the crowd and she just starts prophesying. You have like this Esther anointing. And the girl's like, Aah! And Emily's just like prophesying with all this boldness. And next thing you know, as she's wrapping up her prophecy, the girl just falls down on her own, right? And then Myungwa comes up and you're like, I saw you in the back and the Lord is saying this. And she says some other good stuff, right? And Myungwa just prophesies. And the girl gets slain in the spirit. And then Anita goes and same thing. She prophesies and she's wrapping up her prophecies. They go down in the power of God. And so up until this time, my, my message was good. All right. Let me tell you right now. My message is good. But in the spirit realm, in the spirit realm, it was kind of like calm. It was like kind of stagnant. But when we did those, when we did that prophetic ministry and the Holy Spirit started touching people, everybody woke up. So everyone was like, what is going on? Whoa, I want some of that action. You know, like they were like so eager. And then we did a, uh, we, we had to go. We we're like way overtime by this time. And uh, I looked at Pastor Ray, and he's like, you gotta, we got to wrap it up. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. But i got to do one more thing. <laughs> and so we did an altar call for intercessors. And so if you feel like God's called you to be an intercessor in this house, come forward. And we're just going to pray and bless your gifting and bless and activate your gifting. So all these people, about like 30 people come up. And I told the team, team, just go right through and just lay hands on everybody, right? And so our team just goes in and starts laying hands quickly. Right. Next thing you know, like three minutes later, like 25 people are on the ground, like just crying, shaking. And, you know, it was just like, it was powerful. <laughs> powerful. And then Pastor Ray got the mic and he's like, OK, everyone, uh, get up. We have to go <laughs> leave. So that was the second night. And then. Um, and then the third night, um, I preached on the fire of God. And this is a uh, New Philly signature ministry. It's fire. And so, you know, I preached about the fire of God. And then um, we, we started doing the altar call. And so we had the praise team come up. We started praying for the praise team. And I'll try to prepare the video for y'all. This is, uh, this is crazy footage, right? Just pr- start praying for the prayer team. And they just start shaking like, like double portion, remember? It was like way more dramatic than what we saw at the battlefield retreat two years ago. And they just start shaking. And, you know, I remember I was praying for one guy and I saw out the corner of my eye another guy in the second row. Right. I'm praying. And then this other guy starts shaking on his own. And he, had, he told me later he never experienced anything like that. He's shaking. And all of a sudden, no, nobody touched him. He just falls to the ground. And so if you look on the video, it's like at the corner of the video, you can see him falling. On its own. And so we just start praying through the praise team. Praise team's getting touched, right? Um, not everyone's manifesting, but a lot of people are just getting really hit with the fire of God. And then um, I called up the youth. Because there were a lot of junior high and high school kids. And one of the problems at the ministry is they uh, are not transitioning into the English ministry. But a lot of these youth kids, when they go to college, they leave the church. And so, um, you know, that's something that they kept sharing with me. And so God started giving me a big heart for the youth. And I love preaching to the youth, you know. And I don't have much patience for the youth, but but when I get an opportunity, I take hold of it, you know. And so 
a lot of youth were there and junior high kids. I told all the youth come forward and they all started slowly coming out, right? And, uh, and then I told the FLM leaders, FLM leaders come out and you lay hands on these kids, right? And the, and the team and the FLM leaders, we started laying hands on these kids. Let me tell you right now, fire started falling before we even started praying. These kids, they're just, ah! they're like, so many of them started crying at the top of their lungs. And we'll, we'll show you on the video maybe in a week, but man, like some of the FLM leaders, they had never prayed or maybe they're not used to praying in that way and doing ministry in that way. But they were just like, they were just trying to imitate what they saw us doing and they were just kind of laying hands on people. And these youth are getting messed up. They're like, ah! And I'm praying for my, my youth group kid. He's just calm. And then, and then our, our sister Virginia is like, nothing's happening. I'm like, oh, nothing's happening. You know, like, this kid's getting messed up, you know? Um, youth started getting blasted with the fire of God. It was amazing. Right? And then we pray for the men. And then we pray for the women. And just more fire just started falling all over the place. Uh, and it was just, um, you know, just God's grace. You know, uh, it it changed everything. They were not the same again after that night. And I want to share a testimony from that night, actually. Um, one of the youth group kids, um, toward the end of the fire service, uh, he started manifesting, uh, not the Holy Spirit, though. Uh, he started manifesting in a demonic fashion. And uh, I saw it out the corner of my eye. And I told one of my team members, this is my mistake. I told one of my team members to go over and help out. Because it looked like he was like just shaking, but not like, you know, it wasn't violent. Well, she goes over and he starts going berserk, picks her up and throws her and starts kicking everybody. And there's all these people are on the ground, you know, they're, they're soaking out the Holy Spirit they're on the ground. And he's just like kicking, like, you know. And so I go over there, I start blocking his kicks, <laughs> trying to protect people on the ground. And then the big, you know, FLM guys, they're all like, they work out. So they like grab him. And, you know, I just start, like, trying to get a control on the situation, trying to hold him down. And uh, he's like, he's like, no, 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 I'm cool, I'm cool, I'm cool. Let me go, let me go, let me just drink some water. So I had a bottle of water with me, and I was like, all right, fine, here, just give him some water. And so he starts drinking the water, and he starts walking away. And I'm right behind him, right? And he's walking away, drinking the water. And then he's like, man, let me this, let me that. He just starts throwing the water everywhere. He starts cursing and throwing the water everywhere, right? And so, you know, people on the ground, they're, like, soaking the Holy Spirit. Oh, oh, what is that? <laughs> They're all getting wet. <laughs> and so I said, young man, that is, and boom, I got him in my, you know, I used to wrestle him back in the day. So I got him in a monkey grip, you know. <laughs> it took like three guys to hold him down earlier, but when I got that monkey grip on him, by myself, he calmed down, he calmed down. He's, he's like, oh, that's the monkey, demons know. They were like, that's the monkey grip. We ain't getting out of that. <laughs> So I had him down like this, had him like this, and he's just like, like, you know, it's not him, it's not, it's not him, right, and it's, it's demonic spirits that have been torturing him, and he actually had a spirit of rage upon him, which is something I had seen two years previous on, on a lot of the men in Australia, and, um, and so, yeah, by this time, uh, here, let me show you, let me show you a video just to, because um, uh, our brother DJ captured it, right? So I just, I just want to just show you guys a glimpse. Just show, show this part. And then I'll tell you guys the rest of the testimony.
Uh, if you've never seen this stuff before, welcome to real Christianity. See, I'm very courteous. I took off his glasses so it wouldn't break. <laughs> All right, so he's not responding by this time. So I realized that I made a mistake. It was better to just take him to a private room. Uh, get ready for some expletives. There's no children in the house, is there? <laughs> All right, so, um, yeah, he starts going crazy, so we took him downstairs to a private room. Now, by this time, everyone's happy, everyone's been touched by Holy Spirit. And after, you know, I made the mistake of telling everybody, stretch out your hands. You know, um, I most, I don't know what, it was a momentary lapse, bad judgment. Most of the times, I'll take them to a private room and we'll minister healing deliverance. But, you know, you know, I just, I just kind of went for it and made a mistake. And I told everyone, stretch out your hands. So everybody's attention went from like being ministered to Holy Spirit to this deliverance. And for a lot of people, they never seen anything like that. And so there's a spirit of fear that got into them. And so we take the young man downstairs and, and Anita calms him down, right? Because Anita's scary like that, right? <laughs> Anita calms him down. And in the meantime, I'm trying to minister to everyone else and just telling them, don't be afraid. This is normal Christianity. When the Holy Spirit comes with power, demonic spirits get exposed. Right? It's not like we're releasing demonic spirits upon people here. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit drives it to the surface so that person can be helped. Right? And so I just kind of like told the praise team to lead in a uh, closing praise. So they start praising and everyone's dancing and everyone's, you know, looks a lot better. And then I go downstairs to check out what's happening with this kid. Um, the uh, name of the young man was named Chris. And uh, I went down there and, uh, you know, he was still trying to process exactly what happened. He was calm though. He was sitting by himself. The uh, FLM leaders were kind of like seated at four corners, just watching him. <laughs> and uh, Anita had been trying to minister healing deliverance, but he refused to open up. And so I tried to like see if he would open up. And I said, you know, hey, bro, uh, we just want to help you. We love you. We want to help you. You don't love me. You don't even know me. A couple of weeks, you probably won't even remember me. And I was like, you know what, bro? You're probably right. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I might not remember you. But check this out, man. In this moment, I'm here in Christ's love. I want to help you. If you're willing to help yourself, I'm willing to help you. But if you, if you don't want this help, hey, we ain't going to do nothing. You know? But if you, if you want to be set free, you need to help us help you. All right? And so I, just, I, I, don't, I don't know what I say exactly, but I was saying I was being real with him. All right? And uh, I have this gifting on my, on my life. And it's... No one knows what to call it, but it's a gifting where I can meet anybody, anywhere, any place, no matter what background. And all I ask is like, how are you or what is your story? And I get people's life story on the spot. Like there's this anointing that God's placed on my life. And it's, it's a, it's a, 
it's a gift, but it's, it can also sometimes be a burden. Because, you know, I'll just go into like, like, you know, like a regular party or social gathering. And I'll just say, hey, how you doing, man? And the guy's like, well, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and I've been divorced twice. And let me tell you my story. And, you know, I don't, I'm like, bro, man, hold on. Hold on, man. Let me just talk about football or something. You know, so it's, it, you know, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with this gift. Some of you may have it. Um, but I knew that that gift saw me. So, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't sweat it one bit. I just looked at him and I just gave him straight answers. And I, I just asked him straight questions. I said, have you gone to a psychic? Have you done anything occultic? Because that can open up a doorway for demons. And he's like, really? And he starts like, jogging his memory and then pretty much concludes that he hadn't done anything in the occultic realm. And so I asked him about unforgiveness. I said, is there somebody you got to forgive? Because sometimes that's unforgiveness opens up a doorway for demons to get into your life. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, you know who they are? He's like, yeah, I know who they are. Do you want to talk about it? I said, I don't know. <laughs> so, all right, I'll wait. Because I, I know that, you know, that gifting God's given me. <laughs> I don't have to say nothing. I'll just sit there and then, you know, and then, and then we go to a private room. And, uh, yeah, he just starts to open up. Starts to open up. And uh, um, one person that he had to forgive is his father. And the other persons were his friends. The friends that he hangs out with currently. But he, he's like a melancholy, he's like a deep thinker. And he had been massively hurt by these friends when they initially met. So although he's friends with them now, he still hasn't de- de- dealt with the hurt that he received from them when he first met them. And so... Um, take him to this private room and i just start trying to lead him to forgive but the more we went into that we realized that he didn't have a basis to forgive others because he hadn't received the forgiveness of christ for himself and so you know we i was like yeah going to church doesn't make you a christian bro you need to make a personal commitment by faith to live for jesus you got to trust him as your savior and lord you, your parents can't do it for you. You got to do it for yourself. And if you haven't done that, man, you, you, you're, not a, you're not a born again believer. You're not a true Christian yet. And so, you know, he heard that out. And I said, what do you think? And he's like, well, I'm not, I'm not a Christian then. He said, but I want to. He said, that's why I came to this conference. I know, I just knew that God is real. And I knew these like forces are real. He also recognized that there were like evil forces that were causing him to do very angry things. And, um, and he's like, I wanted to, I want to meet him. And I just felt like this conference was going to be the breakthrough that I needed. But then this happened. So I'm like, nah, bro, you're like right where you, you need to be. Let me just tell you right now here, you know, and I just kind of preached the gospel real quick. And I said, do you want to, do you want to make Jesus your Lord and savior? And he's like, yeah. And so I just led him through a prayer. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I open up my heart. I open my heart and I receive you as my savior and Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness. Something like that. And I just said, in Jesus' name. And he said, in Jesus' name, amen. And I said, how do you feel? He's like, I feel a little lighter. I was like, yeah. And I was like, I prayed a prayer just like that when I was in fourth grade. When I was younger, that's how I received Jesus Christ as well. Just through a simple prayer of faith. And he's like, when you pray that, did you feel anything? And I said, no. And he goes, Good, because I didn't really feel anything either. <laughs> All right, and uh, you know we're starting to see his true side coming out, and uh, then I led him through to pray for forgiveness for his friends, and uh, he was reluctant to name who they are. But I was like, man, we don't even know them, man. Just just say it. 
Whatever. Just say it. So he just started praying to forgive all of his friends name by name and for the things that they did. Then he prayed to forgive his father. Uh, he, you know, the, the basic gist of it was he really wants, you know, God has created us to want and need affirmation and love from our parents. And when that's taken away or that's absent, all right, it is a very natural thing for you to be affected by that negatively, to be hurt by that. And, and if you, different people are going to respond differently to those hurts. And for this young gentleman, he had not gotten the affirmation he really wanted. He, just, he was like, my father thinks I'm a failure. I just feel like I'm a failure. I can't do anything right. I'm not smart. I mean, all the people later in the church were telling me how they think he's such a genius. But he was so hard on himself because he hadn't gotten any words of affirmation from his father. So he had this unforgiveness toward his dad. And so we just pray to have him forgive his father. And then once he finished that prayer, I said, all right, we're going get, to get these demons out. All right, I'm just going to pray for you right now. Just receive the prayer. And I just started commanding these spirits of rage to leave his body. All right? And I just kind of went at it for maybe a good four or five minutes. So commanding them off, commanding them out. I didn't yell. I didn't scream. I just calmly just, you know, when you know your authority, you don't need to really yell or scream. Sometimes you need to. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you got to do it. But, you know, when you really know your authority, a lot of times you don't need, you know, you don't need to yell. And so he just kind of commanded it off. And he didn't manifest like he was doing earlier. He didn't try to punch me. Better not. <laughs> All right. Let's pray for him. After about four minutes, I said, how do you feel? And he's like, I feel peace. I feel good. I was like, yeah, bro, man, you're free, man. You're completely free. He's like, yeah, I feel good. I said, all right, that's the kingdom, baby. And I just kind of gave him a high five. <laughs> I hugged him. He hugged everybody. And he was just big smiles on his face right afterward. And he knew he was free. And then an uh, elder of the church had called his parents and told him, you know, your, your son's going berserk here. Come pick him up. Well, toward the, when I'm casting out the demons, you know, they start peeking in. And, and we told him to wait outside. And we come outside, and then his father comes up to me, and he's like, oh, you know, Moksani, what happened? What happened to my son? And so Mijun kind of translated for me, and I kind of explained briefly what took place. And I, and I didn't say, oh, your son have unforgiveness for you. You are the man. No, I didn't say that. I just said, you know, he has some unforgiveness issues, sort of some friends and some family members. You should ask him about it, you know, and I'm sure he'll share on his own. But, you know... You know, have you ever seen any kind of deliverance ministry before? He's like, no, I've never seen anything like that. And I said, hey, this is normal Christianity. Don't worry about it. All you need to know is your son is safe. He's free. Right? And then he goes, thank you. And, you know, and we said our goodbye. Uh, the next day on Sunday service, uh, we saw this young man, Chris. And uh, Myung saw him just hanging out with his friends. And he was smiling it did not look like the previous night he was kicking everybody and going berserk, right? He was smiling. He was, he was better. And then when I went up to him and I said, hey, bro, I think a lot of people at the church are curious about what happened the previous night. You know, I, I would love to uh, just kind of share your story if you give me your permission. And he said, yeah, go for it, right? And I said, what, what happened last night with your dad when you guys went home? And he said, I told my dad everything. See, I told my dad everything. 
There's some thunder outside. Hallelujah. Heaven, heaven's loving this story. Every time I tell it, people just rejoice. Um, anyway, he told me that he told his father everything. And I was like, oh, I don't know if that was smart, you know. But he said that his father was kind of like a little defensive, like, I, I didn't do that to you, did I? But if I did, I'm sorry. And then he said his father prayed for him for the first time. And so, you know, God just did a quick work, you know. And that's just like one story out of many that God was doing on that fire service that night, on that Saturday night, you know. And um, you know what? Uh, I'll share some more stories over at Itaewon. So if you want to hear the other stories, listen to the Itaewon service. Um, but right now, I just feel like there's some people in here that God wants to minister to. He wants to minister to in here today. So I just want you to bow your heads close your eyes right now. Actually, I want us to take this time and uh, keep the podcast rolling. I want us to pray for FLM. Pray for this ministry, full life ministry, English ministry of Sydney Full Gospel Church. Let's take this time. Let's pray for our FLM brothers and sisters that they will take this fire and they will keep this fire burning strong. That the prayer movement of the house will be strengthened. And will be steadfast. That a pastor and leaders will be raised up. Structure will come into place as they continue in the grace of God. I just want us to take this time. Let's just cry out on behalf of FLM. Let's just ask that God will solidify every blessing that was released. Every teaching that was released. Every impartation that was released. Let's just pray for FLM. Let's bless them. Come on.